0: Rich Roll Podcast. Hey everybody, what's going on? What's happening? I am your host, I am Rich Roll. This is the Rich Roll Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the show. Hey Julie. Hey Rich. How are you? Bonjour. Bonjour, my co-host today. This is our uh, German-French edition of the Ask Me Anything <laughs> episode.
1: Actually, it's coming straight to you from uh, Paris.
0: From Paris. We're in Paris right now. Mon Montre.
1: That was okay. (laughs) Is that
0: okay in the uh, I don't know what district we're in, the 18th arrondissement.
1: Arrondissement.
0: Yeah, so it's been a while. I took French. You know, I took French in high school for many years, but it has escaped me. Doesn't seem to help. I'm doing pretty good with the uh, the comprehension part. Not so good on the speaking part. The vocabulary.
1: Yeah, me too. Not so
0: good. But I found that if I talk. In either a German or a French accent in English, this is very effective. <laughs> it's
1: confusing. <laughs> I know.
0: Yes, it's good. We do this. Yes, you a lot.
1: Like. No, it's kind of funny because you actually turned to me and started speaking to me in that voice and we, I know. we had a funny laugh.
0: <laughs> we were in Germany and, and I, I don't know, the details aren't important, but I was like, yes, and this person I know, I, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> you looked at me like who are you? No. It just happens. I said what have you done with my husband? I know, right? Well, that's what happened. No, you, you used you to pretend, tease me. It's like you pretend that you know the language but you don't at all.
1: No, but you used to tease me because I used to speak English like that to my European friends and you used to really tease me relentlessly. So it well, was you would, it you... was funny to hear you shift into the into the lingo so it you worked had a,
0: well. A couple uh European friends back home in Los Angeles, and if you spent a little bit too much time with them, you would come home with that kind of like truncated English that sounds like a German person speaking English (laughs) as opposed to just talking the way that you talk. So that's what's funny about human beings, right? Mm -hmm. I guess. So, all right. Well, you guys know the deal. This is the podcast where uh, we talk about big ideas. We converse with the outliers across all categories of positive paradigm-breaking culture change. Why do we do this, Julie? What is the point of all this?
1: We do this so that we can all be inspired to unlock and unleash our most authentic best self.
0: There you go. How's that? You got it. That's pretty good. So uh, thank you everybody for subscribing to the show, for giving us a review on iTunes. If you haven't done that, take a moment, just uh, give us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out a lot with all that ranking algorithm uh, sort of mysterious nonsense that goes on over it at iTunes. It cannot be figured out. Yeah, uh, we so, have no idea so how yeah, take a moment and, and do that, please. Uh, and thank you to everybody who's been using the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. You can find the Amazon banner ad. I tried to like make it tasteful and not like some crazy you know, click here thing with a bunch of arrows around it. Uh, But if you just go to richroll.com forward slash podcast, you'll you'll see it. It's right there on the main podcast page. Just click that. It takes you to Amazon. And then whatever you end up buying, uh, we get a little credit. uh, And Amazon kicks us some commission change. It doesn't cost you anything extra. They don't, like, increase the cost of whatever you're buying. And I think it's just a cool way to support the show. You're probably going to buy something on Amazon anyway. Uh, and uh, puts a little wind in our sails and allows us to uh, continue doing what we do. That's did.
1: right, bringing you all this free content. So That's right. thank you. We appreciate
0: it. Very much, very much so. So, uh, on that note, and uh, in the interest of taking care of a little business, we're brought to you today by On. inevitably is going to be impacted so it's important to invest in a quality mattress one that's insanely comfortable that's organic sustainably made and that my friends is a birch mattress fair trade and rainforest alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic fair trade cotton birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off gassing produced by most major brands Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof. And to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health from fermented food to fiber and everything in between, including of course the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I've come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid science-based and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16 year old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue and it's been wonderful as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily personally for years. I love it, my body loves it. And right now for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. Uh, Okay, cool. So we're in Paris. How are you feeling about being in Paris, Julie?
1: feeling amazing about being in Paris. It feels so great to be back. I, I lived here for six months during college and been back a few times since then. It's one of my favorite cities. It truly is an extraordinary place on the planet. And uh, I just, I feel amazing and blessed to be here and uh, just soaking it all up for sure.
0: Yeah, it's cool. We're here. It was my birthday yesterday. Thank you to everybody who uh, sent me a nice birthday email or text or Facebook post or Tweet or what have you. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. I turned forty nine yesterday, so I'm in my fiftieth year, feeling spry as a twenty four year old. I just right. got back from a beautiful run uh, all around Paris, which is my favorite thing to do. This this is. It's been many years since I've been in Paris, so like at least. 15, maybe like 40. 20, 20 years. <laughs> no, no, not quite Yeah, you that said you long. came
1: when you were 16, right? Right, so, so I'm 49.
0: Math. Well, okay. yeah, so I would have been nine when I was here. Okay. I think actually the last time, I, I think the last, maybe the only time I've ever been here, I was 16. So that, that's, and, and I, I forgot how large the city is and how complicated the streets are. And it's, you know, it doesn't, it sort of goes all over the place. So uh, rather than like study a map and try to figure out where to go, I just went outside the, hotel and just started running all around and got completely lost. But it was cool. That's what I like to do to explore and felt amazing way to kick off my 50th year uh, with the exception of doing a podcast and bringing the experience to you guys. Uh, So thanks again for the birthday wishes. And it's not like we just came to Paris for my birthday. This is the, we're in the kind of two thirds into a little bit of a European jaunt that has to do with promoting not only the Plant Power Way, but the German edition of the Plant Power Way, Das Plant Power Cookbook, which just came out. Uh, and we went, <clears throat> we were originally in, uh, well, their purpose was to go to the Frankfurt Book Fair. So let's walk, up, let's walk them through the trip. There were some mm-hmm. pretty cool things that happened. I mean, the first thing is we flew in, when we looked at the itinerary, I was like, why are we going to all these places if we're just going to the Book Fair? But it turned out to be pretty, a pretty awesome experience. Pretty in dynamic, week. Yeah, we flew into Basel, which is the Swiss-German-French border, basically, uh, and drove about, I don't know, 30 minutes to a small town uh, in southern Germany, like the southwestern part of Germany called Kondern, which is where it's a little village uh, at the edge of the Black Forest where the headquarters for our German publishing house exist, and they're called Narayana Verlag. Uh, and it's this beautiful, like sort of renovated, uh, authentic villa, like in the square of this little village in rural Germany. And inside this building uh, is not only a publishing house, but also, <laughs> amazingly, a full homeopathic medical clinic uh, that's run by a brother and a sister, uh, the publishing house, uh, an apartment where we stayed, a complete Full, uh, like, semi industrial kitchen where they have a plant based chef preparing meals. They have a staff of all kinds of people. Like, what else is going on there? It
1: was surreal. It's like we arrived to this amazing uh, apartment and looked in the kitchen, and it was fully stocked with everything from my cookbook. Um, and we saw copies of The Plant Power Way in German, sort of um, sprinkled throughout, um, and all the other amazing vegan books which they publish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they. One of the chefs had prepared Rich's birthday apple pie already, um, and so they served it to us when we arrived. And they had made it with cashew cream, and it was f- extremely delicious. So I knew from that point on that we were going to be very well taken care of. Because uh, later on, uh, we had one of the best vegan meals I've ever had, and just the vibration and the energy of the cooks—they're—they're they're all meditators, and it was just really surreal, really quite nice. Yeah,
0: they uh. They're sort of known in Germany as being the house that publish, publishes the plant-based kind of primers out there, and they do all of Brendan Brazier's books, uh, and they also have all these nutritional products and homeopathic products on their website. So in the pre-roll ad for uh, this episode, you might have heard me give out the URL. It's nariana-verlog.com. Uh, and you you can get not only like all of these amazing German translations of popular plant-based themed Books in the, that are that are put out in the United States, but also uh, superfoods and you know like Vega products and homeopathic remedies. So it's it's pretty cool how they've integrated kind of wellness with publishing.
1: Right. And so rather than sort of adapt the recipes to fit a region, they're actually um, maintaining the authenticity of the recipes and then working very hard to supply the ingredients via an online store, which is extraordinary. So you can get all of the ingredients um, that, you know, we're sourcing in the US, you can get them, you know, in Europe, and internationally,
0: which is going to dovetail into something we're going to talk about a little bit later, which is, you know, sort of uh, plant based on the road. And also, uh, you know, if you live in a place that's very different from where we like, if you live in Europe, now there's another opportunity through this website to get all of these sort of ingredients and products that, um, you know, that can kind of buttress your health quotient in your kitchen, which is pretty cool as this kind of trend starts to explode and expand, um, which is great and really nice. So, so initially I was like, why are we going to the here first? Why can't we just go to the book fair? But it was a great place to kind of decompress and and adjust to the eight hour time difference. And I got to go running in the black forest and, you know, Julie got to play her sitar and, you know, like meditate and do some yoga and like acclimate and we ate amazing food. Uh, and it was just, you know it was kind of a great way to just kind of immerse ourselves in German culture before we had to go into the craziness that is the Frankfurt Book Fair
1: yeah and it was really also just such a blessing for us and and you know, a treat to be able to sit inside the black forest and be in the moisture with the ferns growing and all the ivy and these you know huge ancient trees. It felt you know truly like my cells were soaking up you know much needed water. Uh, we, you know, it's extremely dry in California where we are right now, and um, so it was it was magical. And of course, I've always heard about the black forest being associated with really amazing levels of health and you know, uh, nutrition and and healthy living and connection to nature and even mystical, you know, elements. So I was extremely happy to meditate um, sitting against a tree for some hours in the Black Forest.
0: Isn't the Black Forest like the sort of, source of all these some of these fairy tales like, like little red riding hood and like yeah you know, i think so like, of course you know, like all yeah, that kind of stuff definitely, supposedly takes place in i that think forest. it has
1: a you know definitely a wiccan healer um you know history and lineage
0: well going running in there i mean you can get so lost so quick there's just paths and trails and roads going and every i mean i suppose if you just keep running you'd probably end up in the next village over or mm-hmm. something like that but it looks like you could just disappear in there Never to be found from again. Very
1: beautiful, very lush, and very beautiful. And also, uh, you know, we went to a farmer's market, local farmer's market as well. Um, In this amazing town called Freiburg, which is um, supposed to be like the hip sort of college town town. of this area. And uh, anyway, the farmer's market was insane. Um, I wish I'd had a week to just stay here and cook sourcing. It's got to be one of the, the
0: oldest farmer's markets like on planet Earth because it's at the base of this insane cathedral. And the cathedral was built in in like medieval times, like I don't know what the date of it was. Like what did they say? They said it was it was built like I don't know what the date is, but really old, right? Especially when you're American, you're like like, with a capital O. uh, And they had like little rectangles and squares that were like etched into the wall at about um, you know, eye height. Uh and apparently those the as the as the lore goes, as the story goes, the Merchants, the sort of uh, farmers that would come in, would use those as sizes to calibrate prices for certain like produce products, I guess. So it's an in, basically the indication being that like there was a farmers market going on here in like you know the 1400s or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's still going on. Like, like most days, I think it's it's not just like no, one she day said a week. every day, yeah, like every day. Yeah, it's incredible, and the produce is is like insane with these incredible mushrooms. The the mushrooms in the Black Forest are mm-hmm. like you know that's the thing, right? So that's tons weird. of. Those those. And anyway, delicious. And a, and a sort of sensibility and, and awareness about organic produce that I think is on a higher level, you know, in terms of, of, um, sort of prioritization than it is in the United States. Like they're, they're totally into organic. Like they they have a lot more awareness about GMOs and things like that, like in terms of, um, labeling and whatever they're they're I think they're just a little bit more progressive on that front in terms of regulations and legislations. But anyway, we super enjoyed that. we did, And so we just did some media in Freiburg, and then we got in a car, and we went to Frankfurt for this book fair. And we had heard, like, oh, yeah, the Frankfurt book fair. We're going there to announce the German release of the cookbook. Um, It's a huge book fair. It's the biggest book fair. I think it's the biggest international book fair in in the world. world." And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it'll probably be, like, National Food Products Expo or something like that. I was imagining just, like, a big trade show, right? Um, it's so much bigger than you can imagine. Like it takes over just a massive number of gigantic auditorium halls, like just a huge amount of like square footage in in this like multiple centers, right? In Frankfurt. Yeah, there the are Mesa. like
1: six halls and um, it's 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 a massive, massive building, multiple buildings that are connected with just thousands of people just you know, all pushing up against each other going on for multiple days, it was quite a turnout. And, you know, you definitely looked around and said, wow, people are really buying a lot of books.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, I guess books are still (laughs) a Books are still happening. You know, know? (laughs) like you think like, oh, no one reads anymore, or it's all going electronic or whatever. But I can tell you, like, based on what we observed at this event, like, oh, yeah, like, uh, I think the book business still is on some level, thriving. Really I mean, amazing. that's based on on what we observed and how many people were there. It was like crazy. So it was great. We were able to do a bunch of, you know, press interviews about the release to the German public, and we got to connect with a bunch of people who came out, you know, people who live around Germany or proximate to Germany to to come out and, and, and mm-hmm. say hello and, and connect with, which was really nice. Uh, one really special moment was... When uh, Jamie, who lives in Newcastle uh, in in the United Kingdom, like the the northern part of Britain, uh, he's the guy behind the uh, Rich Roll Fans UK Twitter account. Yeah, so follow there. So he's a super fan and, and he literally got on a plane, flew to Amsterdam and then flew to Frankfurt. Uh, just to meet us and wasn't even sure if he was going to be able to, like if we were going to be around when he was there. Like he just wanted to connect with us. And luckily we were there and we were able to hang out with him. And that was like really special and cool.
1: Yeah, it was super, super touching, really amazing guy. And uh, he's a teacher, a school teacher, and recently has left like standardized education. And he is teaching autistic children now. And his wife is a nurse. And, um, he just, uh, really, really felt inspired and to come and meet Rich really, really, he really, really wanted to meet you. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it, it blew me away. It made me cry. Actually, he has such a beautiful face and in purity of heart. And, uh, it was just blew us away that you made the trip. So Jamie, thanks for having the courage and persevering and stepping out of your comfort zone and rich and i hope to see you again uh for sure um, well, it's, down the road
0: it's not a small thing i mean he's on a teacher's salary so he's not making very much money it's expensive you know that he would like do that it just it blows me away that somebody would do that i just i you know i i don't like i said i don't take it lightly like that means a lot that somebody would do that so thank you jamie and uh and it was cool to meet you. I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit more soon and just so many other people that turned out, right? We also gave a talk at this sustainability conference. It was sort of like a veg fest, some of the veg fest that I've been in the United States to. It was called Mocked, And it was in this beautiful old kind of hall with like gigantic high ceilings and kind of open air, like indoor marketplace. Uh, and Julie uh, did a cooking demo we gave a little talk. And there were a couple hundred people that showed up for that, which was super fun. Um, so, yeah, we were kind of like on a little tour in no, it's Germany. No, it was very
1: cool. The, the Heldenmarkt was really an amazing building and a great event. And we had so many podcast fans show up for that and coming with their books. So everybody who came out to that, we really appreciate it. And Cyrus and Sabine and Georgina and Manfred. Malta. and. Malta, Malta, twice. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was really cool to see you guys and just make that connection, and it means a lot to us. It was a really amazing event. It was a little little strange doing a cooking demo in German with somebody sort of translating in German and also the ingredients not really all being all there um, so um but it was more about us talking and sharing our story, so we didn't get too caught up in mm-hmm. the actual cooking which is how rich and i do it anyway in the states and we also were able to do an amazing cooking demo at the frankfurt book fair which was really cool as well so we had you know probably a hundred people and you know it was being filmed and we were there in the Melee Kitchen, which is a fantastic, you know, gourmet gallery. It was, you know, definitely where all the chefs um, showcase their their food. Mm-hmm. So it was wonderful to be included in that as well. So yeah. it was a beautiful experience.
0: Yeah, it was great. And also, well, when we were in Frankfurt, uh, we got to hang out with uh, Patrick Baboumian, the world's Strong strongest man. man. You know, Wolverine. vegan dude, the human Wolverine. For those of you who don't know who he is, uh, he broke a world record in Toronto a couple of years ago. I was there with him at the Toronto VegFest where he uh, set a Guinness Book of World Records for most weight carried by a human being ever, 550 kilograms, which is like 1,200 pounds, on this uh, like chassis, I forget what you call it, like a yoke that he puts on his shoulders that has all these metal plates on it, and he has to go 10 meters uh, in a certain amount of time uh, with that, that amount of weight on it, uh, which was pretty cool. He then broke that record again, uh, and we were able to sit down and do a podcast, and we were exhausted. It was at the end of a very long day of doing press stuff, and I was like, I hope we can just get like an hour out of this before we have to go eat. We ended up talking for three hours, so uh, it was pretty epic. I think we could have talked all day. I'm sure I'll have him on the podcast again, but you have that episode to look forward to coming up soon, right? Mm-hmm. We made some videos with a guy called Jens Noller, who's a, a, a marathon runner, plant-based dude, journalist in Frankfurt, um, which was really fun. And uh, then we went to Berlin, mm-hmm. which I'd never been to Berlin before. That's
1: right. But before we go to Berlin, I just have to I just have to share the most. Mind-blowing experience, maybe, of my entire oh, right. life happened. Um, we're going through security in Frankfurt, and I travel... At the airport. At the airport and where else is there security? Well, i just being clear so <laughs> people understand. Checkpoint. Well, maybe we're at the train station or something. No, so yeah. we're at the airport, I'm going through security, and I travel with my sitar now, wherever I go. And I've gotten pretty... Um, I'm pretty comfortable traveling with it, and I managed to make my way through security and all that without too much problem. And there was a security officer who was completely uh, just enthralled with my sitar. And he, you know, he asked me, what is that? Is that a sitar? And I said, yes. And he said, Oh, my God, you know, George Harrison was my favorite beetle. Will you play for us?
0: And it's in this big, like burgundy case, like it's kind of dramatic looking, it has wheels on it, and you roll it. So it's very like, tall, you, everywhere we go when we're in airports, people are always stopping you. What is that? What is that? Like, it's like a topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but this guy took it to the next level.
1: No. So I said, you know, I kind of laughed. Ha ha. Yeah. I love the Beatles too. And then, you know, then he asked me again, he said, would you, would you play for us? And Uh, I was getting my things, and I said, oh, you know, I don't know if I have time. You know, our flight's leaving. He's like, when does your flight leave? And I said, oh, in an hour. Oh, no, it's just there. You have time. Will you play for us? (laughs) So I looked at him, and I said, are you serious? And he goes, yes. He goes, we've never heard it before. So I said, okay. So I got my case out and got my stuff, opened my case up, spread my poncho down on the floor, because I have to play it sitting down, cross-legged in a certain position. So I get it all set, and I actually played sitar and sang for the security at Frankfurt airport. And they all listened to me. And when I finished, they all applauded as they were checking all the passengers through simultaneously. It was the strangest thing I have ever experienced. It
0: was crazy. It was crazy. (laughs) Like in the United States, you're used to like the security people being really gruff and kind of short with you. and, 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 and this guy was so effusive and like, and like, just solicitous like he's like no you gotta play and he's like it's cool just sit down and there are all these co- it's a huge security thing like all the people are putting their stuff through the you know the conveyor belts and the whole deal and right in the middle of that whole thing like julie just sits down and plays like a song and she's singing and all the guards are watching her and there's police there and i pull out my phone i'm like i gotta like snapchat this or make a video of this like this is unbelievable that was epic. and as soon as i started to film it the police woman was like no no filming like you can sit down and play sitar, but I can't make a video <laughs> no sh- out of it. Yeah, no, like,
1: no Snapchat. She
0: wouldn't let me take a video of it because I was like, no one's going to believe this. Uh, and then when you were done, like everybody clapped, all the police people clapped and the other, you know, passengers who were going through clapped. And I was like, what just happened? That was crazy.
1: <laughs> Definitely the last place on earth that I thought that that would ever happen. But it was just this mm. this lovely guy who obviously is a music lover. I asked him, I said, are you a musician? And he said, no, but he he probably needs to become a musician because he definitely feels the beauty of music. So I hope he does.
0: Yeah, so that was a cool little experience, right? That was funny. So we get to Berlin really late at night the other night and uh, stayed in a cool little hotel that had a vegan restaurant downstairs. And uh, the following day, we spent the entire day making a video uh, for Der Spiegel and Achim Achilles, which is is a uh, sort of fitness website. in Germany, in Berlin, uh, with this guy called Micah Klotzbier, who is sort of, a he's become kind of a internet celebrity. He lives, he was a former, like, he was a professional soccer player when he was young, blew out his knees, gained a ton of weight, became just like a kind of a typical big fat guy. And he went on this sort of weight loss journey that he shared online and it became like a news story. A bunch of people got involved, with, you know, his experience, it was kind of like his own personal biggest loser thing where he was sharing how he was losing his weight. And I think he lost like 100 pounds or something like that. 120 kilos. Did he, lose a, he lost 120 kilos. kilos. I don't know how many pounds that is, mm-hmm. but that's a lot. That's mm. way more than 120 pounds, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So he was massive. And he still got a little ways to go, but he lost a ton of weight. And he's kind of just a really fun, excitable guy. So we spent the whole day uh, making a couple of videos with him. And we were at the old... Uh, the old Berlin airport that's now closed down that was sort of operable during World War II where the U.S. Army would drop supplies in. Like now it's turned into this massive park with this huge loop where people go to um, go running and things mm-hmm. like that. It's pretty historic and very cool even though it was raining and freezing out. It's freezing. And then we went to the uh, Olympic swimming natatorium where they host the European championships. This incredibly beautiful state-of-the-art World class swimming facility, uh, you know, like basically where you you could have the Olympics there, like it's that caliber of a facility. Uh, and we did some fun stuff there. Uh, he doesn't want it. Micah doesn't want us to tell tell You'll anybody. You'll have to what wait for did, the videos, but, but it was a fun day. Yeah, it was cool, and it was cool for me to like be in a. a I haven't been in a in a like a natatorium of that kind of like of that echelon in such a long time so mm-hmm. it was fun to go to a place like that and swim. That's cool. Um and uh and the thing about Berlin that's super cool that might be counterintuitive for you who uh, you know for those of you who are listening is that it's an amazing place for there's a lot of awareness and excitement about the plant-based movement, the vegan movement, tons of vegan restaurants. They even have a chain of vegan grocery stores there called Vegans. Yeah. that ends with a Z and they're like Supermarkets, I mean, they're not huge like the size of Safeway or something like that, but they're still a good size kind of like grocery store where every single item in the store is plant-based.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And they
0: have like a deli counter and you can get smoothies and sandwiches and all kinds of like lunch foods and things like that and buy all your stuff for at home in the kitchen. Yeah, Incredible. We, could
1: have st- we could have stayed there. Just would have been fine. Yeah, I was fine. like, this
0: is amazing. Like, this would mm. be so cool to have in the United States. And like, here it is in Berlin.
1: It's true. And, and then at our hotel, they had yeah, every meal, they had a whole vegan spread. Mm-hmm. Just everything vegan. And I had croissant at this hotel. And it tasted amazing. It, so amazing that I had to ask, is that vegan? And a, And it is vegan. The chef would not give me the recipe, even though I... I probably could not make it anyway because croissant is a whole, it's a whole thing into itself, but it was exciting and inspiring to know that it can't, that that type of bread and that kind of um, level of taste in a, in a bread and a pastry can be executed. So I'm excited about discovering more about that. Um, But apparently this chef had been raised vegan since he was a boy. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's cool. I, I, Berlin is a super cool city. It's full of like kind of art and vitality and youthful energy and creativity. And I feel like that kind of like, you know, that community of young people is what kind of, you know, in, is inspiring and kind of pushing forward this movement there. And it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see it like thriving there. Yeah, it know? is.
1: It's exciting. It's It seems like a very open city and a city of possibility and where just a lot of new things are happening and a lot of new movements. And it was funny because then later in the day, we actually went and worked on a cooking, uh, some cooking demos. And uh, it was mainly how to translate. I don't want to give too much away because you'll see it in the video. But basically, I had to address, you know, typical German meals and, you know, how I would. How I would address that. <laughs> and like, so, what would your,
0: like, if, if you right, like eating this, like, what is your what suggestion you for, right?
1: So, luckily, you know, of course, we refused to take a bite of anything that they, that they put on the table, but it was, uh, it was fun. It was interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So that was great. And then, uh, it was exhausting though, man. We were just on that was point a long day for like many days and, mm-hmm. and then just came to Paris to kind of decompress for a couple of days, uh, and have a little birthday experience. So, Julie, for my birthday, surprised me and took me to, this incredible restaurant last night. I mean, that has to be the most extravagant, like incredibly uh, beautiful gourmet plant-based dinner of all time last well, night. That I've ever been in my yeah, entire life. I don't think anything else in the world exists like it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it was the finest plant-based meal probably Perhaps on the entire planet. Yes. <laughs> At a place called uh, L'Arpege, which is a very fancy restaurant uh, where the chef, uh, the master chef, presides. Yes. His name is Alain Passat.
1: Yeah, uh, Alain Passard. He came out. He was extremely sweet, very, very affectionate, uh, very connected to his clientele. A lot of touching and charming, and uh, it was sweet. It was sweet to see him. So that was. And really it was cool. like a
0: tasting menu. Uh, where they just bring out little dish after little dish and we counted how many where there were like 15 or 16. I lost count. I was
1: thinking there can't be more than 12 and then <laughs> we were know. already at like 18 or something It like wasn't that, that, that many? I it got up At got the up end, there. I think we ended, I think it was 18, yeah. 18 dishes, well, including, got, the, including the juice and including the tasting, the like palate cleansing
0: things. Right. So it was, it was quintessentially French in that regard. We got there at like 7.45 and we didn't leave until like 11.45. That's right.
1: And Happy Traveler did very well. Even though this <laughs> is not his style, it. he actually just stayed there well, patient till the end.
0: Yeah, it was definitely beyond extravagant. You know, that was a once in a lifetime we'll like, never, we'll birthday probably never kind do of that again. thing. Like that's not like an everyday well, thing. Well, but also
1: do. it's like, it's world famous. And, you know, this is, we're in this world and we're sharing in this world. And, you know, this is a chef of somebody who um, is extremely inspirational to me and, you know, it was appropriate. We arrived on your birthday. You know, what were the odds we were going to be in Paris on your birthday, and to have that opportunity, it actually was recommended uh, by a podcast. No, not a podcast, man. A close friend of mm-hmm. ours who you met from the vegan movement, though, mm-hmm. Roman, mm-hmm. and uh, he lives actually in Paris. And unfortunately, he's in Spain this weekend, so we didn't get to see him. Um, but he suggested it, and you know, it. I thought it was it was perfect. So. Um, the meals were incredible rich and i instagram we took a a bunch of photos i 'm going to instagram it instagram it extensively uh and i 'm already inspired because I can see already uh some some technique and some inspiration that I can uh adapt from his mm-hmm. process and combine it with mine and so i'm excited about the new recipes that are going to emerge as a result of this um opportunity to exchange energy and eat his amazing food and can i just say the tastes were absolutely incredible they burst in your mouth all the the variation of the different kinds of tastes and the textures um it was truly extraordinary truly a gifted artist and if you ever have the chance to check it out or you have a very special occasion um we will definitely recommend um to, uh, yeah, I mean, partake.
0: It, it, it takes uh, farm to table to a new level because all the food that you eat is from one of two gardens that are like an hour or two away from the restaurant. So they source all of their produce from these two plots of land that they own and control, I suppose, <clears throat> which is amazing in its own right. But then he, he makes these unique combinations that you wouldn't ever think of that create these amazing tastes. Like there was a juice that you you drank it and it just tasted like... A beautiful piece of the earth. And I'm like, I couldn't even identify what was in it. It, mm. it was you who was able to figure it out. It was apple and radish. Radish. And and also turnip. Apple, radish, turnip. And that would sound weird. And that's not something you would ever, would ever occur to you to make. Mm -hmm. And it was absolutely amazing, Mm -hmm. you know? So that would be just an example. Yeah,
1: and powerful. And also, I was well aware, you know, they were bringing the courses and they were explaining the food to you and sharing, you know, sharing exactly the ingredients. Um, They took a long time with that. But one of the um, middle courses, which was just a vegetable consomme, but the thing that was beautiful about it, it was all 22 members of vegetables from the garden. Mm-hmm. Like, So they took the entire community, if you think of it on a frequency level or an energy level. So they took the entire community of the garden because the garden is really a whole. Because each plant and each vegetable in the garden affects the whole, just like you know us as human beings and we're always talking being you know part of the macrocosm and we're the microcosm so to serve us a consommé made from 22 vegetables was incredible Mm -hmm. i think that's
0: my ride is that where are you going
1: no i'm just kidding i'll
0: answer the phone (laughs) right now leaving all right go answer it quick of course like the phone never rings and then we do a podcast and the phone rings listen to that accent I usually unplug the phone before I do these things and then you, sometimes people think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you the frequency with that the phone rings when you're in a hotel room when you do this, even though like who uses like landlines and uh, whatever. That's okay. Anyway, won't come. okay. Okay. All right. Are we so, still recording? Sorry about that. Yeah.
1: You just kept that on? Yeah. Okay. Hi everyone. So, that was I'm awesome back. Podcasting. It was So good. Thanks <laughs> for <laughs> being by that. Thanks for being patient. Um,
0: so anyway, thank you for taking me to that restaurant last night. That was delightful and um, happy birthday and I think that uh, that it that it kind of um, dovetails nicely into a couple things that I want to talk about wait can I say one thing
1: okay so at the end I let them know it was Rich's birthday so I asked for something special and they they arranged these paper thin slices of an apple on a plate in the most beautiful design that I've ever seen with the most beautiful flowers on top of it and it was very, very nice, but I have to say that your apple pie from the Plant Power Way just totally ruled over that yeah. dessert. <laughs> right. It was their so,
0: version of... Uh, yeah, it was not happening. They were trying like to copy could, you.
1: Well, no, I don't know, but uh, um, it was missing in... It was definitely lacking in definitely the nut cheeses, in the, in the crust, and in the opportunity with nuts to to give it more of a foundation or more of a variance um so i don't think that they have really gone there yet so it was interesting um mm-hmm. i'm i will actually look forward to sending him a copy of my book um and who knows maybe i'll inspire him too you never, never know. know you never know the student inspires the teacher and the teacher inspires the student That's So always you never the way know. it works
0: all right, so we're going to get into some questions in a second, but before we do that, uh, we got another little interesting tidbit from our friends at Harry's.
1: Harry's, I love Harry's.
0: I love Harry's too. You know why? Because because shaving's freaking expensive. Oh, that's and why. you go to the store and the blades cost an absolute fortune. And then you never know which blades work with which handle and you bring home the wrong ones and then you got to go back to the CVS and it's all locked down in a lucite case and you got to find the kid with the hair in his face who, who has those uh, things in his earlobes, you know, mm-hmm. and he doesn't really want to help you and he's staring at his feet, but he shuffles over and opens it anyway. And then you ask him to those, is the Mach 3, does that go with the force and is, should I get five blades or three blades? And he's still looking at his feet and he's not helpful. So, you then spend like 50 bucks on these blades that don't work. The whole thing is ridiculous. So, they cost a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of plastic. It's inconvenient. There's a lot of waste. You've got to drive in your car and you waste your time. Not sustainable. More importantly, not sustainable. Well, a couple guys uh, who got together to solve this problem, no, they're not named Harry. Ironically, you think. I'd like to know the story we'll behind why they decided to call it Aries. We'll Harry's. have to find that out. Uh, but there are a couple, uh, a couple guys who identified this same frustration and the same problem that I was having, right? And they decided to do something about it. That's because right. Because they're, they're doers. They're That's doers. They, do. they take action. <laughs> they and, take action. <laughs>
1: but I love this product because it's such great design. It's, it has a classic feel to it. It does. It has it that seems... heavy
0: like metal handle that I like.
1: Yeah, it feels, uh, you know, uh, stately. Uh, Mm -hmm. historical, established.
0: Bespoke. Oh. Yes, bespoke. Uh, Harry's delivers a superior shave. I can personally attest to that. How do they do that? Well, the first thing is they bought a blade factory in Germany. We were just in Germany. We should have gone to the Harry's that blade factory. That would have been factory. a great video. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Harry's, uh, we're coming next time, back
1: next September, which is Germany, we'll running do that. a marathon and we hear.
0: Right. Well, this blade factory has been crafting some of the world's highest quality blades for nearly a century. So it's a good match. And, uh, and, and by having this factory, they're able to cut out The middleman, which means they can offer an amazing shave at a fraction of the price of the drugstore brands. Their starter kit is just 15 bucks. It includes a razor, three blades, and your choice of hairy shave cream or foam shaving gel for just 15 bucks. That's crazy! And as an added bonus, you can get five dollars off your first purchase with my code ROLL After using my code, you can get an entire month's worth of shaving for just 10 bucks and shipping is always free, which is huge, right? Uh, shipping is always the thing that makes it a pain. Like you think you're buying something for a certain price, and then you look at the shipping, and you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, shipping is free with Harry's. So go to harrys.com now, and Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in my code ROLL with your first purchase. That's dot com, and enter coupon code ROLL at checkout for $5 off the starter set, and start shaving smarter today.
1: I think I'm going to start shaving you after that ad. Well, the
0: whole ad's all about how it's like for men, but like, why shouldn't it be for women too?
1: Well, it's not for me because I wax, but
0: you wax. But if you but shaved if your legs, if I shaved, I would be very. And use I shave my legs, so I go through You're probably more than my guy? fair share of Harry's blades. Maybe some to the of you don't know guy. that,
1: but he's that special guy that he actually shaves his legs.
0: And I'm secure enough to talk about it. That's amazing.
1: How about that? It's incredible.
0: where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. What are we talking about today?
1: I'm not quite sure. Don't we have some, uh, we have some questions, but- Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I think the questions are, are, what we're gonna do today is kind of uh, do a hybrid amalgam of some questions that kind of hit on similar or overlapping themes, Mm -hmm. right? And one of the themes is, uh there's two things I really want to talk about today, but the first one is something that we were talking about earlier, which is uh this kind of when you when you 're at a place and you 're ready to kind of make a change uh there's a tendency at least in our culture to get overly fixated on the weight loss aspect of the change to be kind of overly obsessed with what the scale says and and to kind of quote unquote be on this you know diet that is inherently you know sort of uh, temporary by its very definition. And so what we wanted to talk about is maybe uh, a little bit of a different approach to lifestyle change that is a little bit more broad and comprehensive in not only its uh, its approach, but also in its benefits.
1: Well, and I think this is connected to, you know, the emotional aspects of eating food and overeating food uh, and having um, you know, using food as a, you know, as a security blanket, or as something to make you feel better, or as a drug, or as something to stuff your emotions. And I think, What's happening is when you go through a a period of transformation where you have addressed the food, because it is the first thing that you have to start considering, you know, what are you putting in your mouth and what's going on in your microbiome? And, um, you know, what are you eating? You know, are you overeating? Are you eating when you're emotional? You know, uh, looking, you know, thinking, looking at all those aspects. I just feel like there is a a large emotional... um, ocean of uh, exploration uh, that uh, needs to be dived into and really looked at and really discovered because it's what was propelling you to eat to overeat in the first place or use in the in the first place and so we had a little sort of a little baby window into this when we were um, shooting with with Micah and you know he's lost a tremendous amount of weight and we had a kind of a moment together and i was talking to him uh he was had these physical challenges planned for you you know it was all about the physical challenge and i i sort of jokingly but but authentically suggested to him that possibly the greatest challenge would be to actually stop and look inside for a moment and maybe sit with me and be present and connect and in the moment that I said that, I could see the emotion just well up in his mm-hmm. eyes, and so, you know, I wanted to go there. Um, the film crew didn't want to go there. <laughs> <So> <laughs> well, that doesn't that, make for a good no, like, five-minute quick video. No, it doesn't. So, but what I'm saying is, I'm just, uh, you know, I know we've uh, we've established a friendship with him, and we have, you know, things coming up in the future. But it just sort of. Um, brought this to the surface about how, you know, this is a lot of what we're dealing with when people are overeating or when they have a lot of weight. It's like, what do they do when the weight comes off and their heart is sitting there bare and open Mm -hmm. and vulnerable? And that's a very scary place to be. And there needs to be some tools and guidance and nurturing so that we can lovingly um, support ourselves and each other to clear that emotional trauma and heal from it and become truly whole.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the difference between like going on a diet and saying, I'm going to you know, take a new approach to how I'm living my life. Like I'm gonna shift my priorities and my perspective. And that gets the the external manifestation of that are the habits that you then adopt or change, like what you're choosing to eat or how you're deciding to move your body. But that's a function of, of an internal shift, right? So the focus needs to be inside. It has to be inward. You have to connect with yourself and develop this deeper relationship with yourself that will then kind of tap into you know, what it is that's important to you, like what it is that you want to express, like how do you want to live your life? You know, it's very different from a diet, right? And when you can kind of get right with that, then that will be you know the determin that will be determinative of how you're going to make decisions going forward but that has to be locked down and rock sol- solid right like that's the foundation that you're building that will then drive every other behavior pattern outside of that
1: yeah but before you can have it Locked down and solid, um, there is a a very vulnerable, raw, scary process that one has to go through, and it requires looking at the shadow side. It requires looking at things that you have stuffed under the bed, that you have... Furthestly, you know, put in the furthest corner of your mind that you have suppressed your entire life because you don't want, you know, you just don't want to look at it. Mm -hmm. It's not pretty, uh, you know. In you know, it could be a whole range of experiences. But as human beings, you know, this is how life is designed, and this is, you know, these are the things that we go through. And so you can you can tell. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm never one to quote science, (laughs) but I I know there are scientific studies and that many people. People know that, you know, uh, if someone has, you know, a terrible pain, an emotional trauma or a split or a fragmentation from something that happened to them as a child or in their life, and they have not cleared it or healed it. They could lose the weight and, you know, fit into the dress size that they want and look really great on the outside, but they will still be suffering on the inside. Mm -hmm. So the, the outside fix does not heal the inside. No,
0: and actually, Micah said something to that effect. It was very revealing at one point, not when we were filming, but just in passing. He said... You know I've lost all this weight, but I still think of myself mm-hmm. as in and and take make decisions based on you know what it was like when I was super fat right mm-hmm. so he still sees himself in that way and there's a lot of wounds there and I also think getting to that place is a function of whatever's going on inside of you right like what you know whether it's a self esteem thing or you know whatever your emotional pain body is that um, allows that to you know over time kind of occur like this external manifestation of this overweight unhealthy body like what is what's really going on inside that would allow that to happen to Mm -hmm. you um and and you can say well you know we use food as to numb our emotions and and that's certainly true but i think it's much deeper than that it goes a lot deeper than that um certainly foods can be drugs especially the processed foods that we're eating and they become very addictive right but what is the emotional you know pain like what is it that's 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 creating all of this. How can we connect with that and heal that? Because if you can do that, then you're on to something. Well,
1: and this is why truly transformation. This is why I always, you know, advocate meditation and advocate, you know, really, uh, you know, stepping into a meditation practice, specifically the program that I designed that is on, you know, on our website. Um, And the reason is because um, you, I heard a lot being said, you know, well, I'm, I'm afraid I'm afraid to drink the green juices that that's, that's the emotional body saying don't clear too much because I'm afraid I'll be revealed. I'm afraid I'll I'll have to to look at that or I'll
0: have to emotionally connect with that thing that I'm trying so hard to not look at.
1: Exactly. And so if you embark upon a plant based diet, and then you combine that with a meditation practice um, you will kind of be um, dealing with the healing from more of a holistic approach. And this is where I differ from physical exercise. So um, I don't think it's the same as as running until you, you know, running yourself into the ground. I don't think this is the same, Aspect of healing that we're speaking to, sure, surely that can be transformative, and it can be an amazing experience. I know there are many people that, you know, love to run, and they they say they're addicted to running or they love that feeling. Um, uh, but I don't think running is a substitute for meditation.
0: Yeah, there's an active meditation aspect to running, but it's that it doesn't it doesn't replace uh, what like actually doing a true meditation. I'm practice talking about accomplish. sitting meditation. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Like the active meditation aspect of running has its place and it has its benefits, but it's a different animal altogether from the actual sitting practice of a more traditional, you know, focused meditation practice. Mm-hmm. And I also think that, that <clears throat> in the same way that, you know, certain people like they, you adopt a plant-based diet, and then it just becomes all about kale. We've talked about this before, so we're always talking about going beyond the kale. Like, you gotta, like, you you clean up your diet and you, like, you know, raise the the uh, vitality bar on your life so that you can then express that in your life, not say stay stuck in this obsession with the food part of it. Like, I love food, and of course we love food, and we express ourselves through food. We have a cookbook, of course, but life is more than that as well, and I think that can be applied to... Um, to sport, to sport, to sport. I make sport today. (laughs) Today (laughs) I make, today I go, I make some sport. Uh, it can be applied to sports and running as well, right? Like you can get, you can, you can be running, but you can be very hard with yourself. Like you're out like, oh, I got to run, you know, like you're almost torturing yourself. It can be its own, um, it can be its own repression machine, uh, it can be liberating as well. It's the perspective that you bring to it. It's the relationship that you have with it. Um, but if you're stuck in running and like you get super compulsive about it, and you know, is that any better than any other addictive behavior pattern? Well, it's better than eating cheeseburgers all day, but it's certainly I don't think it's the I don't think it's the solution that you're looking for that's going to give you the peace that that perhaps is behind you know the hardness and and what you're truly seeking.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's different if you're running from yourself or you're running from your demons or you're running for the love of it. You're running for the pure joy of it. So, it's Yeah, if you're
0: a- running because you're afraid if you stop, you're going to have to face yourself in the mirror and see something you don't like or something that you're going to have to reckon with, like some, something from you know, some pain or, or some aspect of, of your past or your development that, that needs to be healed if you're running to avoid that or doing whatever it is that you're watching TV or playing video games or whatever, whatever it is, um, then yeah, that, that's an unhealthy relationship, right?
1: And there's always, you know, there's always opportunity in self-inquiry, in self-discovery, in self-discovery in sitting in meditation. So it's not like you get to a point and, you know, and then there's nothing else to inquire about. You know, there's a lot to inquire about as human beings. And I think that everyone should be um, comforted in the fact that uh, if you've lived a human life, um, you have some skeletons in your closet, um, if you're really being honest. So there, there is no human experience or human life that did not have any darkness in it. So rather than think that you have to suppress it or have to hide from it, Um, you should feel empowered in looking at that, realizing that in order to be a fully integrated being, you have to have embraced both the light and the dark. It is what has made you who you are today. So you can't, you can't just cut off a part of your existence and pretend that it never existed or that it didn't happen. That being said, it doesn't mean you have to Write a book about it, or you know talk about it on the air like we do, or you know you can process that in a very personal way in different ways it's It's between you and you you know it's mm-hmm. between you and whatever that force is you call God, but this is what i 'm talking about the importance of meditation and the importance of really you know finding a practice. there are thousands of techniques um you know available uh and uh, I also have this very powerful program that I designed that you know uh, was definitely transformative for me, and that's why I share it. Rich likes headspace. So there's um you know, many different uh, techniques, but i I feel the need to call the attention back to the to meditation and really, what are we doing in a human life? because um, we cannot. Uh, uncover and solve and resolve all of our energy um, by simply running or by simply eating a plant-based diet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm looking at this article right now because this conversation has provoked this in me. So this this article that was in the New York Times last Sunday, uh, Jeff Gordinier, who wrote the article about us, the Vegans Go Glam New York Times article, Uh, that featured our family. He wrote a piece that appeared in the last Sunday's New York Times Tea magazine. It was called Jung Kwan, the Philosopher Chef. And it's about, it's a beautiful, amazing article about this journey that he took to South Korea to kind of immerse himself in what's called Korean temple cuisine. And he went to this monastery and spent time with this Buddhist nun, Buddhist monk who is revered all over the world for her incredible culinary talent. She makes plant-based meals that are insane. Uh, and he, Jeff went with the chef of La Bernadette, which is perhaps the most famous restaurant in New York City. The chef there is obsessed with this this nun, this this, this chef nun, Jung Quan. And he visits her, I guess, like every year to learn from her. Uh, so Jeff goes and spends a week there with with her and eats her food. And he just said it was like transcendent, this amazing experience. But what really, uh, I thought was amazing was something that he, that he talked about, um, that had to do with like cravings, like, you know, this idea that in America or in the Western world, you know, you can find yourself aching for a slice of pizza, right? Like you have that craving and Korean temple cuisine is rooted in like a principle that is completely opposite to that. The idea that you're not supposed to crave the food, uh, that temple cuisine is engineered to provoke a different reaction, one that goes back to the Buddhist concept of non-attachment, that you relish it as you eat it, but you should have no urge to stuff your face with another heap of it when you're done. Like when it's mm-hmm. done, it's gone. And that was it. In the same way that they make those sand mandalas or, or what have you, like that creates something beautiful. And the idea is impermanence, right? That, right. It, that it goes away, but it's the relationship with the thing, right? This relationship of non-attachment to enjoy it while you're doing it, but to not get into that fixation or obsessiveness or craving kind of habit that is like certainly my second nature well, with so many things.
1: It's certainly, you know, it's certainly greedy. It's, it's a form of greed and it's a form of gluttony. you well, it's you're, covetous. Right, when you have that kind of craving. And, you know, the same way that I talk about preparing food and in a spiritual manner is... It is like art. It's like you prepare it and then it's destroyed. It's completely gone. Mm-hmm. It no longer exists. And so as You know, it's spiritual- funny as I heard
0: sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but I have to tell this one quick thing. Sorry. I can't remember where it was. It was I think it was a podcast interview. I don't even remember what it was, but it was like if you think about like using that analogy of like the sand mandala and then and then applying that to food, like a great chef makes something that's so beautiful that you're like you don't even want to eat it because it's so amazing, but that's part of the bargain right? Like they're doing that knowing that not only are you going to destroy it, but you're going to literally turn it into shit. (laughs) You know, it literally will be your body will turn that beautiful thing into, into crap.
1: Well, Yes. I guess that is (laughs) the ultimate. But also your body will actually have a relationship with that. So kind of a higher way to look at it is that your body is having like a symbiotic relationship with that element as it integrates it and takes what it needs and discards the rest. Well, it literally goes
0: into your body, like a painting you observe or, or a song you hear, but this literally goes inside of you.
1: Right. Yes, uh-huh. that's true. I mean, and but sound waves go inside of you. I I think we just are not really aware of that. So there's probably more on the frontier of exploring energy and thoughts are things and images are things. So I think I always say that, you know, in a few years, they're going to say and they used to watch violent television, and they didn't know any better, you know, so thoughts and 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 music and images also go into your body. But yes, this food actually enters your mouth and goes through your digestive tract and becomes, you know, interacts with your microbiome and, it, you know, becomes you, probably more you than the human part of you. So uh, the article that Jeff wrote was just incredibly beautiful. The photographs are extraordinary. And yeah, it gives, I mean, for me, it's inspiring to look at it as, you know, really sort of elevating the perspective of serving cuisine as spiritual practice. So from he talked about from the person that's eating its perspective, uh, but also from the perspective of that she's a Buddhist monk and she's preparing it. Mm -hmm. She is preparing this um, in complete service to God that is how she is preparing this and it's, it's connected it's her spiritual practice. It's her spiritual she practice. She spends all
0: day like working on I'm it.
1: I'm sure. You know. And it's connected to the elements of the earth. I'm I'm certain it has uh, you know a whole flow to it and a whole chi to it and a whole way that it's expressed. So it's quite gorgeous. I hope I get to go there someday. Um mm-hmm. but um you know I had this experience this one experience in in serving similarly to the way this this nun is serving. And uh, it was at a a time in my life where, you know, we thought we were losing our house. And I had, you know, no more uh, vision that I was holding for anything. And my friend Saul Ray invited me to come up to Santa Barbara and cook for his Thai yoga retreat. And I was probably the first time in my life, I was completely empty, I was empty of any any uh, inclination, any intention, and any vision for my life or for what I was doing with my family. And the only thing that I could do was be completely present in the moment and serve food and prepare and serve food. Mm-hmm. And I did that with every ounce of my being over that four day retreat. And I had literally people crying in the kitchen after eating you know, a blueberry, uh, cashew cheesecake that I made. And Saul was teasing me, you know, saying like, Srimati, what are you doing? Like, they don't want to go to class. They want to stay with you in the kitchen. And again, it was this really visceral experience of really being fully in service, like 1000% in service with nothing else inside of me. And when you're that empty, um, the greater energy can channel through you and create something truly miraculous mm-hmm. so i have no doubt that when people go and spend time with this monk um that they are transformed and that there is a very very powerful spiritual transmission that comes through that food and i bet uh they are never the same
0: yeah and i think in addition to that <clears throat> it's it's you know kind of uh a close you know kin or cousin to the service aspect of it is doing it for the love of it and just being in it for no, like not for any external purpose other than making the most beautiful thing that you can and pouring all of yourself into it with everything that you have, right? So she's doing her thing in this remote, you know, section of South Korea She's, she didn't write a cookbook. She doesn't have a restaurant. Like, she doesn't have a publicist. Like, nobody knows what's going on. Right? She's just doing this in, basically in isolation. And it says in the article, like sometimes she's just cooking for two other nuns or a couple other people that are in the monastery. Now, it's a cultural thing. In South Korea, there are these other monasteries, and there's this tradition of cuisine in these places. So it's a thing. right? People go to these monasteries to enjoy this food. But it's not really, from what I understand it's not like open to the public or anything like that. It's like you have to kind of know, right, what's going on with her. And so she's not doing it to attract attention to herself, uh, but just by being so devoted in this practice, she becomes like this magnet and the world comes to her, right? Mm -hmm. So the chef of La Bernadette gets on a plane from New York City and travels to see her to like sit at her feet and learn, right? Like that's an amazing, that's like a truly powerful thing
1: well she's she's a spiritual master of sorts, and she needs nothing from him. she doesn't care she has no need she's for, not, yeah, she yeah, has yeah. no need for this press she has no she doesn't care it's like it's just like oh, the wind blew, so the guy's there you know and that's a really powerful place to be to not have that attachment but you know uh with her living this monastic life and having chosen this this way of walking in the world of being in the world. Um, it's really beautiful, very inspiring and, and, um, uh, a lovely, beautiful way to connect to divinity.
2: Yeah,
0: I told Jeff, I was like, I got to get her on the podcast. He gave he's me like, some contact information. Like I was kind of half joking. Right? You know, I was like, oh, she should be great. And he actually gave me, con- and he's like, she's probably getting slammed with interview requests right now. Like he was, right. he took me seriously. Do you think so, she like, would come know, on? I'm going to like fly to South Korea. Well, Does I think that guy from La has brought her out to New York for fundraisers for the monsters oh, something like monster. that. And he might be doing that again Mm-hmm. But you know because of this article now suddenly everybody you know she's on everybody's radar it's a different thing now but of course if a, if a if an opportunity arose where i could see if i could make it happen that would be a beautiful conversation i would but think
1: maybe she'll cook for us yeah
0: if she speaks english i don't know
1: doesn't even matter yeah
0: i think she <laughs> does anyway um all right well all right so just to uh, bring it back like the the this question was really about um transcending the the kind of just surface level weight loss aspect of of, of the wellness journey and, and refocusing on, on the emotional aspect of it, of, of like healing the underlying emotions or pain that kind of maybe led to some unhealthy behavior patterns and using that as, uh, you know, the launching pad to reset your trajectory, right? Yeah, and we, understanding,
1: we... understanding that, you know, we are whole beings, you know, m- m- many different parts of ourselves. So you have physical health, you have emotional health, you have spiritual health. Um, so all of it is relevant, and, and none of it can be excluded. It's like cutting off a part of your body and pretending it didn't exist. So I always say that, you know, the human being uh, integrated in body, mind, and spirit is the ultimate ultimate self-sustainable ecosystem. That is the new green. That is to be really green, is to be fully contained and fully integrated with all of your bodies, not just physical, not just spiritual, not just emotional, but all together as one.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So it can't, it's not like... You know, oh, you know, I'll get to meditation someday, or I'm not really into meditation. You know, it's right. it's just as important as the other things. Or and I'll get
0: to meditation once I master, like oh. I get I lose when I lose twenty pounds, then I'll turn to the meditation right. part and, of it.
1: You know, a little bit of you know mild frustration that I keep hearing again and again in the modern world is, you know, oh well, the people aren't, you know, they're just not ready for that yet. But that's just you know, people are the same. We're all human beings. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. We were designed ready for it. We're just, uh, we have our head in the wrong place. (laughs) And so it's not really extraordinary to have a spiritual experience. It's really quite ordinary. It's quite logical. Mm -hmm. It's quite, you know, it's absolutely true. And each one of us is completely different. But I just, I don't feel like, you know, making it that it's all about the diet is, uh, is intelligent.
0: So what should come first? How it, do we, how do we, so if somebody's well, if, listening to this and they're like, I'm on your page, but tell me where to begin.
1: Well, what should, what should come first is again, you're, it, it, what we're saying is, is to do these things simultaneously. So not to take care of one part of your health while excluding or ignoring another part. So I think it happens all together. You know, it, talk, it, it comes with eating healthier foods, starting a meditation practice, starting to move your body and starting to connect with some of those skeletons or, or dark moments or emotional traumas that possibly you haven't looked at for a while. And maybe you need to take those out and have a look at them. Maybe it's through journaling to begin with. Uh, maybe it's therapy, yeah, therapy or communication, but uh, above all, I mean meditation every day. Meditation, meditation, meditation. Mm-hmm. So find a practice that feels good to you, or one that you can begin with. Again, my meditation practice is a thirty-minute. Uh, guided meditation, I really, really recommend it because it is a humming practice starts off with an active meditation, which actually helps to activate um, energy um, that's stagnant in your heart, and actually will start to clear that immediately. And in the beginning stages of practicing this meditation, you may have a lot of tears, you may have emotion that comes out, you may cough, Uh, you may even smell an odor. Uh, but that's okay. Just keep humming. It doesn't matter. Don't attach to the story and allow this frequency to clear your emotional body so that you can start to connect with yourself. And the, the thing that stops one from meditation, the greatest obstacle to meditation is emotional trauma. So that is even more than physical, not being able to sit still but emotional trauma is the greatest obstacle to experiencing meditation because it's that fear of not wanting to, to go to look through at the emotion. Yeah.
0: It's that emotional trauma that prevents you from wanting to entertain the prospect of meditating to begin with, because it's so terrifying to think that that might conf- make you confront that thing. Uh, in the recovery context, you know, part of the step work that you do in 12 step is doing a moral inventory. It's one of the steps, step four. And, uh, an aspect of that is to kind of, you have to go through, like you have to write down all your resentments and it's a whole, it's kind of a process, right? And this is a, this is a, a, a task or an assignment where a lot of people in recovery, like they just peter out, like because they, they don't want f- to actually face it. So they'll hem and they'll haw and they won't actually do this work because you do have to confront these things. And if you think about it, like, well, who are the people that you resent? You have to do a, a sexual inventory, this moral inventory, this inventory of your resentments and your fears. And it's like, well, I, re- I resent this, I resent that. And you figure out like, well, I resent like everybody, <laughs> you know, like, but it's the one like what a, what a sponsor said to me, my first sponsor said to me is like, yeah, you, you have all these resentments, but what's the one that you're really afraid to write down and talk to me about? Like, what's the one that's so dark and that you're so ashamed of? that you don't even like, you can't even bring yourself to like, that'll be the one that you're gonna leave off this. You'll do all the ones that you don't really care about, but that one that like, you're like, yeah, I'll talk about all these, but I won't talk about that. That's the one you need to look at. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the one that if you can work through it is gonna set you free. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media, this beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. This dovetails nicely into the subsequent episode to this the one that i'm going to put up on sunday night is with gabor uh mate mate i can't it's it's hungarian he told me you put the emphasis on the first syllable gabor mate Mate, Mate. and he's a um, world-renowned expert in addiction he has some very interesting uh, and counterintuitive ideas about the origins of addiction and how to deal with it but a lot of it in a nutshell kind of boils down to uh, early childhood development issues—you know, stuff that happens to you very young—that kind of set in motion behavior patterns that that manifest into addictive patterns later in life. So we're going to get into that with him, but um, it's kind of similar to what we're talking about right now. Like these these pains that start as tiny little grains of sand and fester or fertilize over the years, turn into things that become very dark and powerful, and and really drive decisions that we make um, in unhealthy ways and, 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 and kind of, uh, shadow our relationship, uh, with ourselves, with other people, with food, with behavior patterns, with television, with, you know, whatever it is, gambling, sex, what have you. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be a really interesting conversation, but it's similar. It's basically similar to what you're saying right now. It's
1: powerful. It is.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So, uh, one more thing that, that I want to talk about, um, in this episode, give have something you're going to tell me. Something what? surprising? No, oh, okay. I love you. Hi, babe. I Thank you for oh, no. my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> something no, I'm going to tell you. I thought you were going to
1: tell me like some other we're, demon or something. Oh, really? About oh, no,
0: <laughs> no. Well, we're traveling, right? So we've been in all these cities on this like whirlwind situation. So we've, we're in, we were in Basel, Kandern, uh Frankfurt. Berlin. Freiburg, Berlin, Paris. And we're going to Boston next weekend to speak at the VegFest.
1: In just two days,
0: I go home for a couple days, like five days, and then I get on a plane again. I'm flying to Beirut. I'm going to run the marathon there. Then I come back for like a week, and then I'm going to be in Atlanta and Indiana and Miami on another. So there's like a ridiculous amount of travel, and so the the question always comes up, you know, how do you maintain a plant based diet when you're on the road? Uh, And we have some tips and some tools that we can relate really quickly. I mean, on this trip just to relate our experience, I don't think would be really that fair or informative because we were really taken care of. You know, we we had people that were hosting us and, and, and helping us to make the best decisions. But I think anybody who, like if you're a business traveler or you're on the road quite a bit, it's true, it can become challenging. Like how do you maintain uh, this way of eating when you're away from your own kitchen and your routines and your practices? Uh, and I think the short answer is that you're not going to be able to do it perfectly, but there are some things that you can do uh, to try to do your best when you're away from home. So-
1: yeah, I mean, one thing for me that's been key, and this is maybe a small thing, but it's important to me. I, I like uh, tea. I like to drink tea. It's a sort of like a life, a luxury of mine that I enjoy. And the problem is, is that I like my tea with milk, but I don't drink milk. So I use nut milk. And when I'm traveling, especially in Europe, it's you know at a restaurant or just basically when you're out, it's impossible to find anything that's not you know dairy. So, aside from traveling on the airplane, which is kind of impossible, um, uh, I love these uh, nut and soy creams that um, I found in Germany. They're extremely thick. They're they're so thick. It's amazing what they have created. What's it called? Um, they are different brands, but they're just in a box. They're like in a half box size. So I found like a pint size nut milk, like I had a cashew one, and I had a soy one. But I was able to just put it in my backpack and carry it with me. So we arrived here in Paris at the hotel, I asked him if he had, you know, a non dairy milk, and he didn't. So I opened my suitcase and came out with my nut milk, and I was able to enjoy my tea. So now they're storing my nut milk downstairs in the kitchen <laughs> mm-hmm. and I've been able to have that. So I mean that seems like a little one, but it's a big one to me because it's something that I, you know, I enjoy and I I, I would like to have. So that's been a great discovery. Right. Well
0: I, I mean I suppose an analogue to that would be if you're traveling somewhere where you're not sure you're gonna be able to buy almond milk or coconut milk or soy milk or whatever. Uh, just buy a box of it. You know, they store it, um, you know it doesn't have to be refrigerated until it's opened, right? So it can right. s- store on the shelf so you can buy those boxes and you can pack it in your luggage or just have one with you. So if you're going somewhere where maybe that's not going to be at the grocery store, at least you have that. And I think that that is applicable to all kinds of other things, right? If you're going to go on an airplane, like don't, don't like wait until you get to the airport to decide what it is that you're going to eat, you know, for the next five hours or however long your flight is like bring, you know, take the time to prepare a couple things to bring on the plane with you. Like whether it's, You know, a little salad or some nuts or snacks, depending on how long your flight is, something that you like to eat, so that you're not going to become starving and then make a bad choice.
1: Right, and I mean you can't take the liquid on the airplane, so this is just so that won't work. Yeah, just for food. mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean we do that, and again, it's sort of like it. It's a mix. Sometimes they have stuff that you know, you can sort of make do with and then other times they don't have anything that's even remotely close. Right. To I mean, it depends on diet.
0: on the airport that you're flying out of and all kinds of variables. Like I know if I'm if I'm flying American Airlines out of LAX, there's a real food daily in that terminal, like I can get a green juice and, and make, you know, some kind of amazing plant based sandwich and bring it on the plane with me. But, you know, you can't rely on that. So when you're in a situation where it's not where it's unpredictable, it's better to just plan ahead. So You know, go to the store and buy a bunch of snacks and put it in your carry-on bag is one. I mean, duh, it's like elementary, right? Yeah. But in terms of the destination where you're arriving, you know, take 15 minutes before you go on that trip to go online. You know, just Google and research where the restaurants are. Get the Happy Cow app for your phone, which tells you where all the vegan and vegetarian restaurants are, no matter where you are in the world. Try to identify where the natural food markets are. Uh, see what their approximate location is to wherever you're staying. Uh, another great rule of thumb is when at all possible try to make sure if you're staying if you're staying in a hotel try to get one of those hotels that has a little kitchenette and perhaps you can go directly from the airport to the natural food markets before going to your hotel to check in pick up a few things that you know will be uh, kind of essentials to have in the event that you can't get to a restaurant that's going to serve your needs you can make something, in your hotel, or at least have some healthy snacks, or get the almond milk, or what have you, so that you have your kind of bases covered uh, for emergency situations.
1: Yeah, and also one thing that would be extremely helpful is if you could find a way to arrange a blender at your de- at your destination. You know, it would be easier in Airbnb situations, obviously, but in some of the hotels that have you know a kitchenette, you know, maybe asking, inquiring, and seeing if you can get a blender would be good. The one thing that I have noticed is you know, not every place has that sort of extra kick of nutrition that we like to have on a daily basis, like chia seeds, like hemp seeds, like cacao powder, like goji berries. Um, Those are um, all all four of those things um, would be uh, sometimes I like to just travel with small packets of those not not a huge quantity, but something that I could add in, you know, I was just at this cafe down the street in Paris, it's called Hope Cafe. It's really sweet little cafe and they have a lot of vegan alternatives and we've eaten there twice already. However, you know, their smoothies are not there like their smoothies have like apple juice, cacao powder and soy milk or something like that. Mm -hmm. So again, if I, I, and I asked her, you know, do you have chia seeds? Do you have hemp seeds? And they don't have them. So if you know, having those extra things to sprinkle on your oatmeal, you know, you can always get oatmeal in almost any hotel in any place in the world. And I still maintain that that is the best Ayurvedic morning uh, um, meal. It is nourishing. It um, stops your adrenals from being fried, balances you. It's extremely good. um, And that's across the board for everyone. Uh, You don't need to eat more than a fistful, but this is the morning porridge recipe that I have in the Plant Power Way. So if you travel, you can bring the extras that you throw on top of the cereal or the oatmeal, which will make um, just ordinary oatmeal a superfood powerhouse meal.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And in the United States, like my sort of default, like worst case scenario situation is Chipotle. Like if you're going, if you're anywhere near like a major city in the United States, and even in Europe, we saw one and we went to one in Frankfurt. Uh, there's generally going to be a Chipotle nearby and you can go and you can get a bowl with rice and beans and, you know, guacamole and salsa or make a burrito or something like that. And there you go. Boom. Like you have a, a, a you know, satisfying plant-based meal available to you.
1: Yeah, very easy and you know? non-GMO.
0: Yeah, non-GMO, plant-based and and filling, you know what I mean? So you don't have to starve and eat lettuce or when you go to some restaurant where they don't know how to make plant-based stuff and you end up with something that, you know, isn't really going to hit the spot for you, um, you know, Chipotle works, it does. So there's no reason to not do that. Uh, That always fills the gap for me. But I think it's just using your basic common sense and just just saying, I'm going to take 10 or 15 minutes to plan ahead of time before this trip to just inquire and look into what's available, where I'm going. You know, Maybe you have friends there. Maybe there's a Facebook community, a uh, vegan Facebook community for that city where people communicate about what the best options are. Like, If you just take the time to look into it because of the internet, like so many of these uh, issues can be resolved. So I don't think it's like Fair to be like, well, I travel all the time, and it's just hard, and I can't do it. Like that's just lazy.
1: No, you you can do it, and it just takes a it takes just a couple emails and a yeah, couple actions. It's not like, not hour, it's not, it's not like no. hours
0: of time. You know what I mean? It's just having the a forethought to go, oh, I should let me just make sure I look into this before I go, so I know what I'm getting into. Yeah, definitely. You can make it work. I mean, I've been that's traveling right. constantly. I've gone to all kinds of crazy places, and it doesn't always end up being you know the the ultimate meal that you're looking for. But I'm telling you that you can always make it work one way or the yeah, other. Yeah,
1: we had some great um, Ayurvedic Indian food in, uh, outside of Frankfurt. And uh, we've had just really pretty amazing mm-hmm. food, actually.
0: Cool. Well, all right. I think we did it. That's it?
1: Yeah. No other questions?
0: Well, there's plenty of other questions, but those can wait <laughs> for another day. Okay, great. You know, great. we're in Paris, so I would like to be able to go outside and enjoy you it. You guys think here. he deserves it <laughs> we to go out do Paris? do that.
1: Maybe we should do that.
0: Today's supposed to be like a day off, and yeah. later tonight I'm going to be putting this podcast, I'm going to be okay, publishing this podcast, I'm going to be working later, so I would like to go get a little daylight yeah. here.
1: So everyone, so uh, after this goes up, make sure to follow <laughs> my Instagram, because I'm going to post about, you know, 20 pictures. I'm going to bleed the feed with... Uh, You're not supposed f- to bleed the feed. I'm going to, I don't care. I'm going to post all these pictures from L'Arpege because I want to share what he's doing, the amazing work that Alain is doing. Um, So anyway, so follow me at Srimati on Instagram. Mm
0: -hmm. And are you going to take us out with a song today?
1: Yeah, I I am. Uh, I think I'm going to take you out with Aditya, Aditya, the Aditya Mantra. Oh, wow. Well. Uh, On because, the theme of the
0: emotional inner work.
1: Yeah, and the theme of emotional <laughs> inner work. It'll um, put you into
0: a trance-like state, though. You better not be driving a car listening to don't this.
1: Don't drive your car. No, you'll be <laughs> fine. It's fine. Right. It's uh, actually I think this it's groovy and cool. song. This mantra is, uh, is uh, from the Ramayana, which is a um, thousands of year old uh, Indian uh, sacred text, and it is the mantra that the sage gives to the hero um, uh, Rama at his uh, deepest, darkest point of evil where he needs all the help that he can get to transcend and rise up out of uh, his adversarial uh, challenge, which uh, is the form of a very long raging war. Uh, So anyway, it's... um, Om aditya Hridayam Punyam Sarva Shatru Vinashanam Jaya Vaham Japam Nityam Akshayam Param Shivam. What,
0: what does that translate into?
1: <laughs> so let's see if I can remember. Uh it's basically I can't say right now. I can give it to you in the in the show notes just because it's been so long. I wasn't even sure I could say that mantra it just came. Right. Are so. you
0: sure you're gonna so you're gonna have to work tonight too? You're gonna get that for me. Oh it's easy. I'll
1: remember it. I just have to get into the present in a moment
0: all right awesome cool well that's it thanks you guys for taking this ride with us today super fun uh what do i got for you well how do we leave this how do we end this everybody should uh visit our restaurant joy cafe in westlake village if you're in the la area organic plant-based gmo-free gluten-free amazing uh amazing little spot that we're partnered in Uh, that our friends Joy and Nick run. uh, And we love it. We eat there all the time when we're in town. You can find me there at lunchtime quite often, but right now we're out of town. But if you happen to be, uh, if you live in LA or if your travels take you there, please check it out. And also check out The Karma Baker, our other partner. It's a uh, vegan and gluten-free bakery that's also in Westlake Village. And uh, as I always say, this podcast is an amazing vehicle for uh, having a communi- a global communication and creating community um, that is detached from location. Uh, and it has enriched my life and just been, it's just, it's my heart. I love it. It's been a beautiful experience, but it's also really cool to invest in your local community and try to uh, help people there. And that's what Karma Baker and Joy Cafe are all about. It feels really good to be part of, uh, you know, putting roots into the community and trying to help people there uh, make transformations in their own lives by providing them with cool, healthy options, right? So that's nice. Um, For all your plant power needs, go to richroll.com. we got all kinds of good stuff for you there, like Julie was talking about today, her meditation program. We have a few nutritional products. We've got signed copies of The Plant Power Way and Finding Ultra. Uh, We have sticker packs, we have fine art prints, we have uh, 100% organic cotton garments, all kinds of cool stuff. Basically everything that you want and need to take your health to the next level, right, Julie Pyatt? That's right, Rich Roll. Uh, keep sending in the questions for future Q and A podcast at info at richroll dot uh, We have a couple online courses at mindbodygreen.com, the Art of Living with Purpose and the Ultimate Guide to Plant Based Nutrition. For more information on those, we're really proud of them. Go to mindbodygreen.com and click on video courses. And uh, just thanks for supporting the show, you guys, for telling your friends for taking this journey with us, for being part of this amazing global community. Uh, we love you, and I uh, can't wait to just continue going further, yes. pushing harder, getting truly, better truly
1: Truly touched to meet so many of you in Europe, so thanks so much for coming out and for your beautiful hearts and your amazing warm wishes, and just we feel truly, truly blessed by all of you. So thank you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, tune in in a couple days to hear my conversation with Gabor Mate. Yes. All right. Peace. Plants.
1: Namaste.